Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is going on, 49ers faithful? Welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise podcast. Uh, you might be wondering, where are your normal hosts, Robert Morrison and Chris Wilson? Well, they are off right now. They will be back soon, however, but in the meantime, you get stuck with me. My name is Peter Panacey. I'm the associate editor of NinerNoise.com. So chances are, if you've headed over to the website at all, uh, you've read some of my stuff. Hopefully you enjoyed it. You don't necessarily always have to agree, but at least for the sake of some discussion and really just to have a lot of fun, uh, that's the nature of the game. And boy, I can say that we certainly have had a lot of fun here this preseason. Uh, the Niners, of course, finishing up their 2021 preseason campaign at home at Levi Stadium against the visiting Las Vegas Raiders, winning by a score of 34-10 to 10 in a game that was pretty much dominated by San Francisco in all three phases on offense, defense, and even special teams. And of course, I know before you start going off about this, yes, preseason narratives do apply. The Raiders weren't starting a lot of their first team options. It was Nathan Peterman in at quarterback and not Derek Carr. So again, make of that what you will. But of course, these preseason games do afford the opportunity to take a look at some of the bigger storylines that are going to go into the regular season as well as providing that necessary information to figure out the 53-man roster. And of course, all teams across the league will have until Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time to make those final cuts. Uh, teams that were already required to get down to 80 players. The Niners, of course, have done a number of moves in the meantime. And yet head coach Kyle Shanahan is going to have a lot of tough choices on the table leading up to that final date. Now, of course, there's going to be a lot of fluid movement. We're actually recording this here on Sunday after the game. So uh, hopefully, probably get some idea as far as what Shanahan is thinking with the 53-man roster. But there are going to be a number of position battles that he's going to have to figure out to determine who winds up being the best options going forward. Now, one of the things that I don't think you really need to worry about as far as roster placement is concerned is what happens at quarterback between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And in this game against the Raiders, definitely saw something that was a little odd, something that you don't typically see, unless, of course, you're a New Orleans Saints fan or watching a Saints game and there's that guy Taysom Hill running around. But one thing that Kyle Shanahan did is he had a little bit of fun taking Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance and putting them in, taking them out on the same drives. So it'd be Jimmy G coming in there and throwing a few passes and handing the ball off. And then it'd be Trey Lance handing the ball off and then attempting a pass. The first quarter saw both Garoppolo and Lance take five snaps apiece. And that continued into the second quarter a little bit. And ironically enough, one of the things that kind of stood out, and I'm sure everyone who watched this game was kind of like, huh, is the 49ers' first touchdown of the day wasn't a Trey Lance touchdown scramble, but rather a Jimmy Garoppolo one-yard rush where on the bootleg, saw an opportunity, put his shoulder down, and pummeled his way into the end zone for the score. Not guessing that probably is what Kyle Shanahan wants Jimmy G to do a lot, but you have to figure in this type of quarterback competition, 
certainly makes for an interesting storyline. However, not to be outdone, uh, something that you did wind up seeing was uh, Trey Lance in the second quarter getting his own two-yard rushing touchdown in to answer back. So the quarterback competition is alive and well between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Uh, as far as what the start meant, I really don't necessarily think there's much to be read into it. Uh, perhaps the only funny thing about it was in going into halftime, uh, KPIX5 in the Bay Area, the TV channel that was carrying the game, Burn Glenn asked Kyle Shanahan, hey, is that something, Jimmy G, Trey Lance, you're going to swap them back and forth? Are you going to do that quite a lot during the regular season? And Kyle Shanahan responded, quote, probably not, end quote. So, <laughs> again, is Kyle Shanahan playing with you? I don't know. Is he playing with uh, defensive coordinators around the league? I'm not sure. But the one thing that we do know is that they're going to be packages for Trey Lance this season, regardless if Shanahan names Jimmy G the week one starter. Now, again, kind of coming away from the perspective seen over these first three preseason games, looking at Trey Lance, looking at his skill set, looking at all the things that he can do for you that Jimmy Garoppolo can't, the strong arm, the ability to move the ball on the ground, uh, accuracy, probably on a long-term trajectory, a lot better than Jimmy Garoppolo, although you still see some moments where Lance looks like that quarterback who attempted only 318 passes at the collegiate level. I'm still not anywhere closer to thinking Lance has seized the starting job. And if you look back at some of the news stories that took place towards the end of last week, uh, Kyle Shanahan being pretty coy about who he was planning on starting, but saying that he had a pretty good idea. Jimmy Garoppolo saying, yeah, I have a pretty good idea too, and he's got a big smile on his face, leads me to believe that Garoppolo is going to be the guy come week one. Now, you're probably going to find a lot of hot takes out there saying, my gosh, the 49ers traded all the way up to number three just to use a quarterback or to draft a quarterback who's not going to be on the field in week one. What kind of shenanigans is that? Why would you do that? Look, there's nothing wrong with saying Trey Lance is on the path to be a very good quarterback in this league, perhaps elite. It's way too early to say that, but at least all the signs are there that this guy can be special. It's also fair enough to say that, yes, he's still very raw. I mean, you think about this, he's played four games, three preseason games, one college game since 2019. And of course that one game last year with North Dakota State, where that's essentially all his game tape from 2020, you can get the idea that, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time for Trey Lance to get acclimated, but all of the signs of him being a legit, strong, good quarterback uh, are certainly there. So with that in mind, you could look at a quarterback like Jimmy G and think, well, what does his future hold? I still have to imagine that even if he wins the starting job, Kyle Shanahan's leash on him is going to be very, very short. And, of course, you're going to get into one of those situations where, let's say, early this season, uh, Garoppolo goes out, has a, a bad game, throws a couple of boneheaded interceptions. You know, heaven knows, we've seen plenty of those over his tenure as a 49ers starter. There's going to be calls for Trey Lance at that point. And, of course, there's the injury bug that's always going to hang over Jimmy Garoppolo's head, probably for the rest of his career now, unfortunately. But nevertheless, any sort of struggles from Garoppolo are going to prompt those Trey Lance questions. Now, I'm obviously not in Kyle Shanahan's head, so I'm not sure if he's one of these types who's like, yeah, that's part of the competition. That's the sort of thing that I want to have heat up. I want to put pressure on Jimmy G. But the one conclusion I can still draw, even if I still think Garoppolo winds up starting week one, is Kyle Shanahan is not going to hesitate to make the change from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance as soon as he feels Trey Lance is ready to at least give the Niners as good or maybe close to as good a shot at winning games for the 49ers. That's the point. If Trey Lance is almost as good, even if it's close, almost as good as giving the 49ers a shot at winning games as Jimmy G, Shanahan will go with that choice. Now, some people might think, well, no, Shanahan's still being loyal to Garoppolo. No, Shanahan's still being conservative, all that sort of stuff. Look, the 49ers weren't conservative in their attempts to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. You know, there was all the talk about going after Matthew Stafford before he went to the Rams. There were the rumors and reports that they were in on Deshaun Watson before Watson gotten into his, his off-the-field legal issues, but that's an entire story altogether. 
Uh, even before the draft, there was that report that uh, Kyle Shanahan was talking with uh, Packers head coach Matt LaFleur about Aaron Rodgers potentially being available. And then LaFleur said, you know, we're not trading him to you guys, you being the 49ers, right? So anyway, look, Shanahan wants to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, but considering the magnitude of this decision to trade Lance, uh, drafting him, moving up in the draft to grab him, sending off two future first round picks, that's a writing on the wall. And of course, that move is going to ultimately define Kyle Shanahan's tenure as head coach, at least for the immediate future. So he wants to take this the right way and do whatever he can to make sure Lance's transition into a starter is about as good as it gets. Now, in an interesting situation, this isn't like 2017 when the Niners are going through a complete team rebuild. And it's just like, well, okay, yeah, we'll we'll worry about quarterback later. The Niners are in a position where they also have to win now. And you look at Kyle Shanahan's record with San Francisco. I mean, three losing seasons out of four since Shanahan took over in 2017. All three of those seasons being 10 lost seasons. And yes, I know there are excuses. You know, 2017 is a rebuild year. Jimmy G gets hurt in 2018. All those injuries last year. Yes, there's plenty of excuses. But at the same time, it's, it's about time that Kyle Shanahan gets his squad to change the narrative. That 2021 has to be a winning season. And right now, currently, even though I wouldn't say that Jimmy G is infinitely miles away from Trey Lance even coming close to starting, uh, the fact that we're having this conversation at the very end of the preseason does speak a lot of measure. And it really does highlight how far along Trey Lance has come. I don't think any of us really had a solid idea that Lance would be even this close, that we'd be having this conversation. Hey, you know, he could start in week one. Just rip the Band-Aid off and do that. It probably was a lot more predicted. Hey, Lance has had his moments. He's still Rob. And all this is still true, by the way. But I think the general sentiment is that the 49ers would still be in pretty good shape if they decided to go bold and start Trey Lance in week one. I don't believe that'll happen. I'm still not seeing that. But I do think, I do think honestly, that Kyle Shanahan will still have that short leash on Jimmy G uh, to start the season. And even though Shanahan could go back and forth and put Lance in for a few plays here and there, like we saw today against the Raiders, doing that in a regular season game, aside from a handful of packages that are specialized plays here and there, not necessarily something that you would normally see. And once the decision goes full-time, hey, Trey Lance is starting games, getting the lion's share of snaps. You're not going back to Jimmy G unless things go terribly, terribly, terribly sour. So on the topic of Trey Lance, you you still wound up seeing some more of the issues from his supplying core of receiving targets. Uh, I counted two more drops today. There might have been a third. uh, But again, bringing his total of drops on the season to nine from his intended targets. Uh, The one good thing, though, is I did think that Lance's fastballs kind of came down in velocity a little bit. You know, wanting to see a little bit more of that finesse passing Uh, at the same time. He can also notice that some of the miscues could potentially be there. It's just a lack of experience on the field. Nothing to panic about. And again, I keep saying that Trey Lance is looking exciting. He's looking awesome. He's looking phenomenal. But you just still have those developmental areas where he needs to work and needs to showcase that acclimation to the NFL game, that maturation process, which takes time for everybody. And I know everybody loves to use that comparison to the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes back in 2017. Look, the Chiefs were aggressive as all giddy up trading up for Patrick Mahomes, I think at number 10 overall. They had a quarterback in Alex Smith they could win with, but Mahomes is the future. Everybody knows that. That took a full year for Mahomes to get regular field time, to be named the starter. And look at the quarterback Mahomes is today. Now, By no means am I saying, hey, Trey Lance is going to have the exact same trajectory as Patrick Mahomes. Not even going to go there. It's so too early for that. But at least give him those chances to work on what he needs to do. And part of it's going to be making sure that Kyle Shanahan identifies a pass-catching core that will haul in passes. (laughs) You know, We saw this with a number of different wide receivers already this preseason. Richie James, who... Uh, suffered a knee injury and has now since been waived with an injury designation. Uh, You saw some more drops, two from Jalen Hurd, and we're going to get into that in a little bit here too. Um, Questions that are certainly going to influence the back end of the wide receiver depth chart, but also make sure that 
Lance has to understand what he can do to put his pass catchers in the best position to haul in passes. And again, these are all preseason narratives, so you can only make of it what you wish. So it's one of those things that I think that you kind of have to just understand uh, heading forward with Trey Lance that maybe, maybe this pans out uh, sooner than anticipated, but the likelihood is it'll still be a somewhat slower development for the immediate future, at least over the first quarter of the season. So in the meantime, I think that you're still going to be focusing on Jimmy Garoppolo as the starter, but that leash is going to be quick and you're going to see a lot of people clamoring <laughs> for Trey Lance once Jimmy G kind of has a, a struggle or two um, over the course of the regular season when that hits. So anyway, plenty of more to get into here on the Niner Noise podcast. Again, preseason week three is wrapped up. The 49ers go 2-1 and one in the preseason. Woohoo! <laughs> Beating the Las Vegas Raiders 34-10 to 10 at Levi Stadium. So we're going to take a quick break right here uh, just to bring you this quick ad, and we will be back right here on the Niner Noise podcast. What is happening, Niner Noise? This is Peter Panacey, the associate editor of NinerNoise.com, and I'm excited to bring you this exciting partnership between FanSided and our partners over at Manscaped. That's right, the leaders in men's below-the-belt grooming. And what I want to tell you a little bit about here is this new deal that Manscaped is bringing to all of you so that you can kick your pubes to the curb with the latest and greatest in men's grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready to take off by going to manscaped.com for 20% off with free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. So what do you do when you go out and enter FANSIDED20 over at manscaped.com? Well, it's pretty exciting. In that package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag so that you can take all of this stuff with you when you are on the go. That's right, all of that in one package to make your package come across as best as it possibly can. So what are you waiting for? Head over to manscaped.com today, and when you do, make sure you enter in the promo code FANSIDED20, that's FANSIDED20, for 20% off plus free shipping. Get on it today and make sure that you have a clean area below your waist to impress everybody around you who wants to see that sort of thing. Again, fansided20 over at manscaped.com. This way you can come away with a lawnmower 4.0 trimmer today. Okay, thank you again for uh, sticking with us here on another edition of the Niner Noise podcast. My name is Peter Panacey, and uh, just a quick note, again, if you like the podcast, you enjoy what you hear either from myself or from Robert Morrison and Chris Wilson, your normal host, be sure to hit that subscribe button and uh, give us a five-star review too. It certainly helps the podcast grow. It's our goal just to reach as many people as we can and uh, provide as much exciting 49ers and NFL-related content as possible. So it would mean a lot to us. We always love to hear from you too. Any comments and, uh, and reactions with us is always welcome. So of course... The preseason being over, it's the next big chapter. And it almost makes me miss the preseason last year that we didn't get this because you had no idea, aside from the reports that you were reading out from training camp, who was standing out, who was struggling, who was at a, in a great position to make the 53-man roster, who was in danger of losing a spot. And you finally got to see this again this preseason. And, you know, I know a lot of fringe fans of the NFL, not just the 49ers, but just fringe NFL fans everywhere, they look at the preseason and maybe they're excited about it for about the first 10 minutes. And then it's like, oh, okay, football's back. That's great. It's not real football. It doesn't count. Well, I'll tell you who it counts for. It counts for those guys on the back end of the roster, you know, and every year you see this on every single team. I know the 49ers have had their fair share of them, but you read about those players who maybe just, they're on the outside looking in and you just can't help but wonder is there any way this guy cracks the roster? You know, maybe he's a great special teams contributor, or maybe he just goes all off in the preseason finale and there's no way to keep him off the roster. And I saw a lot of that actually here in this final preseason game where it made me convinced that, yeah, these players deserve a roster shot. And I want to mention just a few people who stood out against the Raiders. And, and I'm going to leave this off with a guy who's certainly in a very, very heated competition and that's going to be running back to Michael Hasty, the second-year pro who is 
an undrafted free agent last year and, and managed to make the 53-man squad amid all those injuries, impressed enough, and then he got hurt, and you're kind of wondering what his role would be for the team this season, uh, especially with so many new bodies in there. Trey Sermon, the rookie, Elijah Mitchell, the rookie, both being drafted, Wayne Gallman, veteran free agent, former New York Giant, him coming into the fray, and then, of course, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson being there. Of course, Wilson now injured and shelved probably until the middle of the season. One less person, at least for now, to think about. But we obviously understand Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon, they're guaranteed roster spots. And the 49ers aren't likely to keep more than four running backs on a 53-man roster. I'm not saying it won't happen, but it's very unlikely. Could happen, but very unlikely. And so you're looking at this three-way competition between Jamichael Hasty, Elijah Mitchell, and Wayne Gallman for two spots, most likely. And you could really make the argument in favor of all three of them. Now, Elijah Mitchell was kind of the new face to the addition here. And I want to talk about him in a little bit and kind of break down some of the stuff that I saw with him on the field. Uh, he was absent, of course, the first two preseason games with a hip injury that was kind of a surprise. But the sixth-round pick out of Louisiana Lafayette, who was blazing fast, I think he had like a 4-3-2, 40-yard time, flashed some promise during the game, ran six carries for 24 yards, averaged four yards in attempt, uh, even saw a little bit of time on, on there on the outside looking in, and you just can't help but wonder, is there any way this guy cracks the roster? You know, Maybe he's a great special teams contributor, or maybe he just goes all off in the preseason finale, and there's no way to keep him off the roster. And I saw a lot of that actually here in this final preseason game where it made me convinced that, yeah, these players deserve a roster shot. And I want to mention just a few people who stood out against the Raiders. And, and I'm going to leave this off with a guy who's certainly in a very, very heated competition. And that's going to be running back to Michael Hasty, the second-year pro who is an undrafted free agent last year and, and managed to make the 53-man squad amid all those injuries, impressed enough, and then he got hurt. And you're kind of wondering what his role would be for the team this season, uh, especially with so many new bodies in there. Trey Sermon, the rookie, Elijah Mitchell, the rookie, both being drafted. Wayne Gallman, veteran free agent, former New York Giant, him coming into the fray. And then, of course, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson being there. Of course, Wilson now injured and shelved probably until the middle of the season one less person, at least for now, to think about. But we obviously understand Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon, they're guaranteed roster spots. And the 49ers aren't likely to keep more than four running backs on a 53-man roster. I'm not saying it won't happen, but it's very unlikely. Could happen, but very unlikely. And so you're looking at this three-way competition between Jamichael Hasty, Elijah Mitchell, and Wayne Gallman for two spots, most likely. And you could really make the argument in favor of all three of them. Now, Elijah Mitchell was kind of the new face to the addition here. And I want to talk about him in a little bit and kind of break down some of the stuff that I saw with him on the field. Uh, he was absent, of course, the first two preseason games with a hip injury that was kind of a surprise. But the sixth-round pick out of Louisiana Lafayette, who was blazing fast, I think he had like a 4-3-2, 40-yard time, flashed some promise. During the game, ran six carries for 24 yards, averaged four yards in attempt, uh, even saw a little bit of time on, on special teams too, but also made some mistakes. There was the miscue with Trey Lance on the, uh, on the handoff where Mitchell went the wrong direction. And, and those are things that you might be able to understand from a rookie who is literally playing his first NFL game. Yeah, it's preseason, but you're still playing your first NFL game. You've missed time. Meanwhile, I'm looking at Wayne Gallman and Jamichael Hasty, and Hasty certainly stood out, not just because he had two touchdowns on the ground, one on a nice 35-yard scamper that, that uh, set up basically the Niners running away with this game, and then, of course, on the following drive, Hasty does it again, from, this time from three yards out. But Wayne Gallman is a player I also have to look at and think he has to be in the mix. Now, is Gallman as flashy as Jamichael Hasty or as fast as Elijah Mitchell? Probably not. But the 49ers do have to value Gallman's pass blocking, and that is pretty exemplary, and that will matter if you're going to be a number three or a number four running back on the depth chart. So anyway, the one player I do want to call out for this here, though, is Jamichael Hasty, simply because he was a player I could see being let go, just you're the odd man out. Uh, however, after six attempts, 
55 yards, 9.2 yards per carry. Again, that 35 yard long is a pretty big reason why he had that. But nevertheless, Hasty showed a lot. And I just can't think that if the 49ers decide to go with Wayne Gallman and Elijah Mitchell, that they'll be able to stash a player like Jermichael Hasty in the practice squad. It's just this gut feeling that if Hasty is waived and the Niners are hoping they can stash him, some other team's probably going to come calling. And Hasty just has, has shown a lot this preseason, put together some pretty good film. Uh, granted, mostly in the second half of games, going up against backups. Yes, I get it. Preseason narratives again and again. But still, a player who's going to have a job on a regular season roster this season. And I don't know if the 49ers are going to be comfortable trying to stash him out. So it almost comes down to Gallman or Mitchell. And again, this is going to make for a tough cut. It's what makes this time of year so exciting and so intriguing because you don't know. The upside of Mitchell, the six-round rookie who's very, very fast, but still coming off injury, uh, maybe not quite ready to go at the NFL level, or Wayne Gallman, a little less flashy, but filled in admirably for Saquon Barkley when he was hurt with the Giants last year. Good pass blocking. It was actually Gallman who got the most touches on the ground for San Francisco uh, today with 13, and also leading with 60 yards and had a nice uh, 4.6 yards per carry average there. So... Honestly, it's an open-ended question at running back, and I'm very curious to see how Kyle Shanahan chooses to address this position. Who does he go with? Who is the odd player out? Uh, or are we going to see some weird scenario where maybe Kyle Shanahan keeps five running backs? I doubt that, but it's certainly possible. Now, less exciting is what's happening at running back, but no less important I actually really liked what I saw out of reserve center Jake Brendel today. And I know Brendel had that low snap that got Trey Lance into a little bit of trouble. And, and that wasn't a good look. It was kind of ironic because I tweeted it out that I liked what Jake Brendel had been doing. Uh, and then I think two plays later, all of a sudden I looked and uh, yeah, Brendel was putting this low snap almost on the ground, forcing Lance to panic quite a bit and try to make something out of nothing. But if you take that one mistake aside, and that's a big mistake, that'll matter. I did like a lot of what Jake Brendel was doing. His movement was good from that center spot. He was able to get out when needed. Uh, his pass protection from the interior was solid. And the reason why I'm singling out Jake Brendel here as a possible player who improved his draft, or not his draft stock, sorry, his uh, roster stock a bit ahead of week one is because the 49ers don't really have another true center on the roster to back up Alex Mack. Mack was only out there for a little bit at the beginning of the game. And then it was the Brendel show from that point onward. Now, initially, you would have thought Daniel Brunskill would have been the emergency sort of backup for every offensive line position, which is something he's done before. But that was going to be contingent on the Niners' second-round pick, Aaron Banks, winning the starting job at right guard over Brunskill. That hasn't happened. And with Banks, of course, him dealing with a shoulder injury, struggling early in his first preseason game, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So the Niners do need to have that reserve center, even though Alex Mack has been the definition of consistency and durability over his career. I do see a scenario where Jake, Jake Brendel makes the cut. There really isn't anybody else on the Niners roster that makes you think, yeah, he's going to be the guy. So not a flashy addition to the 53-man roster. I know people aren't going to be jumping up and down trying to read what they can about Jake Brendel, who hopefully won't play at all this season, uh, at least a regular or a meaningful snap. But nevertheless, something to consider there that, hey, those positions can be important. Of course, anybody who's followed the 49ers over the last two years can tell you that, yeah, unfortunately, you've had to get to know some of the Niners' backup centers and third-string centers and even fourth-string centers in the wake of so many injuries during that time frame. So anyway, I would be pretty safe and comfortable betting on Jake Brendel making the cut. Another player I didn't feel about that, or at least didn't feel that way earlier on this offseason, was former safety Marcel Harris. Now, I'd written many articles about this over at NinerNoise.com saying that Marcel Harris was probably going to be on the outside looking in, especially in the wake of the 49ers bringing on so many safeties. Talano Hufanga in the NFL draft, uh, Tony Jefferson, who's now on injured reserve, of course, but then Tavon Wilson, haha Clinton Dix. Uh, where was there going to be room for Marcel Harris? Well, there's going to be room for Mitt Linebacker. That was the plan. D'Amico Ryans, the 49ers defensive coordinator, putting Harris in as a safety, or I'm sorry, in as a linebacker, and he's making a thump. He's making a thump. Harris certainly made that thump again today. And you know, going back and thinking about Marcel Harris, it was his pass coverage skills that tended to get him in trouble, not so much his run-stopping skills. And on that one near fumble towards the end of the first half against the Raiders, it was Harris who knocked the hit. 
And then Harris even had a nice pass breakup uh, during the game. And, you know, the Niners have some question marks with their linebacker depth. And I know there's a lot of open-ended questions there, too. Maybe not as many starting caliber or immediate quality reserve options, say, at, like, running back. But there's a lot of people on that linebacker depth chart toward the bottom of it who are going to be fighting for those key spots on the roster behind Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. And so Marcel Harris certainly put himself into the equation. I, I, I think that his efforts, two tackles and one pass breakup and a near forced fumble, if the officials hadn't called the ball dead before it happened, uh, that probably went a long way in making sure that he should be a strong candidate to crack the back end of the depth chart. Another player I really thought showed up well tonight was, uh, was Justin Hilliard, the undrafted rookie linebacker out of Ohio State, a guy who had dealt with so many injuries during his collegiate career. He actually led the Niners defense with six tackles and was just all over the place. And one of the things I always look for in linebackers is just how much of a general impact they make if they're around the ball a lot, if they're trying to be disruptive on that second level of defense. And Hilliard comes across as that kind of player who can do that. Now, he has his limitations, of course, and there's always going to be the injury concerns. And I'm not sure he did enough in this game to make the 53-man roster. Again, it wouldn't be a shock if he was named to the back end of the depth chart here. But I think the 49ers really wanted to see if he'd be worth keeping around on the practice squad. They played him a lot. Now, generally, when you do that, it's either because a young player needs reps, just needs experience, see Trey Lance, or it's because you're kind of undecided on that person. And maybe the 49ers were slightly undecided on Justin Hilliard. There are other linebackers like Elijah Sullivan in the mix, Jonas Griffith also in the mix. Um, we talked about Marcel Harris already, also in the mix. So what do you want to try to get out of Justin Hilliard? And I thought he looked solid enough. Probably he's going to be one of those players who winds up being named to the practice squad and a potential dark horse sleeper for the back end of the 53-man roster. Now, of course, it's always fun to jump up and down and say, hey, these 49ers players look great. It was fun watching them, all that. But, of course, this time of season is also the time to be critical and looking at players who uh, might not necessarily have as big of roles as we thought or potentially being off the roster within a couple of days altogether. So one player who I think is going to take some time for development, I don't think I'm going to hear too many arguments against this one, but that's rookie cornerback Ambry Thomas, San Francisco's third-round pick out of Michigan. And he struggled there was that missed tackle i know that he had and that was a bad look and pretty much over the course of the preseason you've seen why uh two examples really why thomas needs some more field time you remember he opted out of his final season at michigan because of the pandemic so like trey lance you're looking back at a player who hasn't played in a long time still getting acclimated to the nfl level and i always argue this too that a Young defensive back, rookie, second year, that's an awfully difficult transition. Very rarely do you wind up finding a defensive back, a cornerback or a cover safety who is a plug-and-play player at the NFL level. You typically wind up having to adjust to facing bigger, stronger, faster wide receivers. The coverage skills are much, much, much more dynamic to, to succeed. The schemes are much more complex, both on offense and defense. So even though Avery Thomas, who struggled this preseason a lot, I don't necessarily think that it's time to come close to getting up on him anything yet. I think that he's still going to be a very solid player. But I do think the fortunate side of things is that the fifth-round rookie corner, Dumadori Lenore, has looked very solid. He actually gave up a catch in this game. He gave up a catch, his first allowed during the preseason. Prior to that, according to Jeff Deeney of Pro Football Focus, Thomas, I'm sorry, Lenore had been targeted six times and had allowed a passer rating of zero. <laughs> zero point zero. Also recorded an interception. That was great. So anyway, Lenore's one reception allowed today was actually a perfect ball placement from uh, Raiders quarterback Nathan Peterman. So I won't hold that against uh, Lenore too much. Uh, he had himself a, a, a good game, a good quality game. But nevertheless, there's still some other players that I'm going to be more worried about for their immediate roster chances. Thomas, he'll be there. He'll be on the 53-man roster. Where he is as far as the depth chart is concerned, that's an unknown. But the same can't be said of these next two players I want to talk about, and that's wide receiver Travis Benjamin and wide receiver Jalen Hurd. So Benjamin has had his ups and downs during this preseason. Of course, he caught one of Trey Lance's two touchdown passes last week against the Los Angeles Chargers. 
But Benjamin today exited with what appeared to be a head injury and will likely go into the concussion protocol. Now, again, when you're dealing with injured players at this time of the year, things always get a little bit weird because sometimes teams will use injury lists to stash somebody, just postponing that decision until later. But also in the case with veteran players who've been around the league a while and might have a chance to latch on somewhere else, you might see the 49ers part ways with Travis Benjamin with some sort of in injury designation in a settlement. That's also another possibility too. So I don't know what that means for Travis Benjamin. And of course, you've got a very interesting situation developing on the back end of the 49ers wide receiver depth chart. Now, the bigger eyes are probably on Jalen Hurd. And of course, if you call Jalen Hurd the same player who was drafted in round three back in 2019, played one preseason game that year before suffering a serious back injury, that back injury was so serious that he couldn't even travel with the team to the Super Bowl in Miami. And then last year, it was all the Jalen Hurd hype again. Hey, hey, this guy, this six foot four receiver, used to be a running back in college and just powers his way through people. Then he tears his ACL in 2020's training camp. He's out for the season again. And so going into the season, I don't know, but I imagine I can't be the only one, but I was pretty bearish on Hurd. I was like, look, he hasn't played a regular season snap. It's been two years now. He can't be on the field. So as much as I'd want to get hyped and excited about the potential that Hurd had, I won't say still has, but had, I just couldn't do it. I, just, I, I couldn't do it, especially considering his positions switch. He only played one full season of wide receiver in college too. So you're talking about a player who needed a lot of time to acclimate to the NFL, but hasn't been able to stay on the field. And all you read about during training camp was that Hurd was dealing with injury setbacks, tendonitis in his knee. He would go out and have a practice, but then all of a sudden he'd have to be working with trainers for the next two days. And then all of a sudden, guess what? We're two games into the preseason and Hurd hasn't played. And he finally gets that action on the field today. He's finally able to go out there and get some work in, get some chances to, to make the case for himself. And it doesn't go so good. Now, of course, Jalen Hurd's final line of four catches for 25 yards not bad for preseason numbers, okay? But those two drops and both passes from Trey Lance should have been caught. And you look at Jalen Hurd and you think, golly, I don't know how well that's going to sit with Kyle Shanahan with regards to the 53-man roster. Now, going into the game, Shanahan did say that Hurd was one of San Francisco's six best receivers. I don't know if that's necessarily Shanahan's way of trying to hype up Jalen Hurd or if that's trying to push some of the other wide receivers buried deeper on the depth chart to perform better. I have no clue, but I'm still going to be very, very challenged to think the 49ers will try to do something with Jalen Hurd on the roster because to me, the patience has just ran out and it's not necessarily any fault to Jalen Hurd. Obviously, no player wants to go out there and suffer serious injuries that, let's be honest, if one of those happened to you or I, <laughs> we'd be sidelined for, for, for years. If something happened to my back, I'd be like, yep, this is chronic for the rest of my life. If I tore my ACL, I wouldn't leave the house again. So admirable for him trying to come back, but in such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of league, I still have to think Jalen Hurd's chances are going to be awfully low. So whether or not it's the end form, at least in a Niners uniform, that's going to be uh, one of those tough choices Kyle Shanahan and company are going to have to make. It's not the only one, though. We did talk a little bit about the situation at safety. Talano Hufanga, the fifth-round pick out of USC, yeah, yeah, pretty sure he's just fine. Jaquaski Tart, Tart came back, of course, from his turf toe sprain. Looked like he reactivated it, but then came back in a short while later. I have to think the 49ers are going to start both him and Jimmy Ward, but with Tart's injury history, there's got to be some depth there. And you saw some of that depth on display uh, today. Of course, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, a player of the 49ers, didn't really sign until much late in the offseason. He recorded an interception, kind of a gift from Nathan Peterman, but positioned himself right where he needed to be. Uh, ran that back for a substantial gain, and that helped set up to Michael Hasty's second touchdown, too. Or is it going to be Tavon Wilson? Maybe Tavon Wilson's the other guy who winds up winning out. All you're reading during training camp when Jaquaski Tart was uh, sidelined with that toe injury was how Wilson was making plays. And so with Talanoa Hufanga going out there and it really just being an impressive guy that you could feature as a backup or on special teams, and we'll see how he develops as a potential starter down the road. 
But golly, I don't necessarily know if you're going to wind up seeing HaHa Clinton-Dix or Tavon Wilson being uh, let go off the 53-man roster. My guess would be it would probably be Tavon Wilson just because he's been in camp for longer. Uh, if I had to choose. And thank goodness I don't. I don't have to make these decisions. But if I did, I would guess that HaHa Clinton-Dix would probably be one of the players who would be let go. You would see Tavon Wilson and Talano Hufanga round out the back end of the safety depth chart. But, of course, with situations like these, you do wind up with those players who wind up as uh, kind of the emergency callbacks. Hey, we're short a guy. We know you worked out with us. You had a preseason with us. Come on back. You're familiar with everything. Uh, we've got a hotel room for you, and we'll sign you to that one-year veterans minimum. And, of course, you're going to have that practice squad, which is going to be uh, similar rules from last year. And we'll get into that in a little bit here, too. So these tough choices are going to be pretty intriguing as far as how the 49ers will formulate this 53-man roster. You know, mentioned the thing going on at safety right now where you have almost too many safeties who can actually go out there and, and, and start for you. Also at running back where you have five players who are competing for four spots and the back end of that is really, really, really provocative. You know, we're talking about Elijah Mitchell, Michael Hasty, Wayne Gallman, three guys vying for two spots. So I have no idea how that's going to pan out. Of course, there's going to be your offensive line depth. What happens with rookie Jalen Moore? Does he seize that swing tackle role? Or the 49ers are going to go with Sean Coleman, who hasn't played since 2017, at least in a regular season game, and hasn't played a regular season game at all with the 49ers dating back to 2018 after he was required from the uh, Cleveland Browns. And then, of course, you've got that final wide receiver battle. I'm pretty sure we've all come to the conclusion who the 49ers' four wide receivers are that are basically guaranteed to make that spot. So, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, they're both there. Don't think there's any question about that whatsoever. And I even am going to say that Mohamed Sanu, the veteran, he was only out there for one target in today's game, didn't call in a pass, but nevertheless, I recall this from last year, the younger Niners receivers loved having him on the roster. You're talking about a guy who's been around the league for a while, has seen just about everything. Uh, I have a tough time believing the Niners are going to let Sanu go, and rather they're going to keep him around in that sort of veteran mentor role that players like Samuel had back in 2019 with uh, now Buffalo Bills wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders when he was with the Niners. So anyway, I think those are the first three. And then, of course, the fourth, Trent Sherfield. I can't say enough about Trent Sherfield, aside from the fact that he's probably been the biggest, most important under-the-radar acquisition the Niners have made this offseason heading into 2021. You're talking about a player who was scantily used on the Arizona Cardinals offense the last three years, a little bit his rookie season, but in 2019 and 2020, he was pretty much just a special teams guy. And head coach Cliff Kingsbury just didn't choose to feature him on offense. I don't know why. I haven't looked into that too much. But nevertheless, the Niners, when they got him, I thought, this guy could be one of those real key possession receivers. Uh, during the offseason, we spent a lot of time talking about Kendrick Bourne and his importance to the Niners offense. Not as a go-to guy, not as like a you know six, seven, eight catch per game type player. But someone who's going to catch two, maybe three passes for 30 yards a game, come up for you big on third downs, maybe in the red zone. And it looks like Trent Sherfield could have that role. And Sherfield kind of has that build, physical, but runs faster than Kendrick Bourne. I would say after watching today's game, Sherfield had uh, two catches, 26 yards. He's got some pretty strong hands, too. And... He's had the rapport with both Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance and looks to be every part a serious offensive contributor. Now, granted, again, I know preseason narratives. I almost feel like I have to say that every time because someone's going to say, yeah, it's a preseason. He's going up against guys who probably aren't going to be on a roster. Yeah, I get that. But you still have to go out there and make plays. And to date, Trent Sherfield has done that. He's done them in training camp. So there's your fourth wide receiver. And you can swap him out, Sanu or Sherfield, between numbers three and four whatever, fine, but those four guys, Sherfield, uh, Sanu, Ayuk, and Samuel, they're safe. After that, it's really up for grabs. Slightly less up for grabs now that Richie James is no longer in the picture, but you can start to take a look around and think, okay, is a player like Travis Benjamin going to make the cut based on his speed? He's one of the faster downfield threats in Kyle Shanahan's offense. That said, he's likely going to the concussion protocol and 
Well, we'll see how it happens with that. That might endanger his roster chances, or he might wind up on an injury list going into the regular season. Also talked a little bit about Jalen Hurd, too. Now, did Hurd's drops today really hurt his chances? Is that going to be the point where the 49ers now have lost confidence? Not are losing, but have lost confidence in his ability to impact the offense. Or are you going to see someone else like Jawan Jennings, who is out there? He also dropped a pass, but... You know, one catch, 15 yards, looks vastly improved over what reports said about him last year during his rookie season where he had to spend his rookie year on the practice squad. I thought Jennings didn't really show up as much in today's game compared to a pretty impressive outing back in week one of the preseason against the Kansas City Chiefs. But nevertheless, one of those big-bodied, physical possession-type receivers who's going to look to run over you instead of uh, get around you or use some speed or elusiveness. To me... Jawan Jennings and Jalen Hurd are kind of in that same category of a big-bodied receiver who looks to out-muscle you to break a tackle, that sort of thing. So if you're going to have to choose between those two, and I'm not saying the 49ers are going to keep one or the other, I have to still think that Jawan Jennings offers you a little bit more of that upside over someone like Jalen Hurd. However, no one is really separated, completely separated to the point where you feel comfortable making one choice over the other. River Craycraft, of course, is going to be in the mix, and uh, he's someone that could potentially wind up uh, securing a roster spot, primarily if only based on return duties. You know, that's kind of the third element, if you would, in trying to figure out who's going to crack the back end of the depth chart. Might it be someone like Nsimba Webster, who had a really good returning outing uh, when the 49ers played the Chiefs earlier this preseason, but it's kind of been quiet since then. Again, I don't know. It's a very fluid situation towards the back end of that depth chart. Now, I have to figure that Kyle Shanahan has his mind set at least on which players he prefers. And if it was up to me, I would probably want the 49ers to go with a player like Webster, who is at least a pretty proven commodity. He did this two years, for the last two years with the Los Angeles Rams, simple Webster, that is, in the return game. And so I have to just collect my thoughts and think maybe that's enough for him. But I'm not sure. I, I really have no clue. And is it going to be Jawan Jennings there as well, or is it going to be Travis Benjamin? It is really provocative to see what the 49ers face insofar as a possible back end of the roster ad for the wide receiver depth chart. So certainly a lot to work with there, at least from what we understand as far as the 49ers roster is concerned. It's a good situation to be in when the team is forced to part ways with players who are likely going to be added to other teams' regular season rosters. That means your roster is good. And of course, over the next coming days, with that final deadline of Tuesday, August 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern, when all teams have to have their rosters trimmed down to 53 players, and then the next day, after that whole waiver process and that kind of free agent frenzy that you see with teams scrambling to grab people, then you're going to see that formation of the 16-man practice squad. And, of course, the same rules from last year apply where there's 16 players. Six players now can be added who wouldn't have had to meet the previous rules for eligibility to less seasons of uh, accrued seasons there. So it'll be really provocative to see almost just how the 49ers practice squad comes along. And this is something I wrote about over at NinerNoise.com, too, just trying to take a stab at it and really honestly you could look at a lot of the players who might not necessarily have a spot on the 53-man roster but should make the practice squad guys like justin hilliard i mentioned him potentially someone like elijah mitchell i know mitchell was the draft pick and he's fast and i don't know if a team will allow him to follow through to the to niners uh, practice squad without claiming him but maybe just because there's not a ton of game tape we'll see it's it's really going to be hard to tell and of course some of those veteran additions like I don't know, I'll have Clinton Dix. Maybe he's placed on the 49ers practice squad. The guy didn't play last year, so it's possible the Niners want to keep him around. I have no clue. I'm trying to do as much guesswork as I can, just like most of you are. But nevertheless, it's going to be a very, very, very turbulent yet exciting next 48 hours or so between now and when final roster cuts uh, are made. And then, of course, the practice squad finishing up after that. So anyway, before we sign off for the day, I do again want to thank everybody for tuning in here to another edition of the Niner Noise podcast. And it would mean a lot, to, a lot to all of us if you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Not only do you get my rants and raves that show up here every now and then, 
but you get the regular content from your normal hosts, Robert Morrison and Chris Wilson, along with some special guests that we try to bring on to the podcast and uh, allow them to give their insights to you. So it would mean a lot if you do subscribe. Go ahead and give us that five-star review. It does help with our metrics and allows us to reach further audiences. And again, the best thing that you're doing is just listening to the podcast. I know I appreciate it. I'm sure everybody else here at Niner Noise, part of the Fan Side of Network, we all appreciate uh, you being involved and interested in what we do too. So anyway, on behalf of Robert Morrison and Chris Wilson, my name is Peter Panacey. You can give me a follow over on Twitter at Peter Panacey. And as well as our 49ers Niner Noise Twitter profile at SF Niner Noise. Go ahead and visit the website too, ninernoise.com. And until next time, everybody, let's go ahead and sound that horn in advance of the regular season week one, just two weeks away. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.